Yeah, so I want to talk about uh, leaving our comfort zone. And I think we began the process a little bit today in the inquiry session as we started to explore our relationship to expectation and this word expectation that can um, bring out quite a lot for us to reflect on. First, I'd like to just mention this little story about um, uh, when I was teaching this fall, this past fall, I was teaching the um, part of the three-month retreat at the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. And uh, I was teaching the last six weeks of it. And there was just one interaction with one uh, gentleman in the morning when we have our questions and uh, answer session. And this man who had been there probably for all two months, probably about two months already, sitting and walking, sitting and walking, sitting and walking, he raised his hand and he asked me the question. He said, you know, he said, my experience is starting to become rather familiar to me. And what he meant was it was rather repetitive, Um, sitting and walking and sitting and walking, looking at his own mind. And what he wanted to know was how he could freshen up his experience. Because he summed up his experience and he said, the way that it seems right now is thoughts, pain, and and stewed prunes. Because at IMS, every morning they serve stewed prunes. To sort of, particularly for people who are sitting long retreats to you know keep the help keep some circulation going. So for him, his experience was thoughts, pain, and stewed prunes. So he wanted to freshen that up, <laughs> freshen that up uh, because it was rather repetitive. And probably some of you have seen or heard of the movie Groundhog Day where it's, a, it's really a um, story, a metaphor for that repetition or habit of our mind, where it can seem like we're doing the same thing again and again and again. And this movie, this um, man, I can't think of the actor's name right now, but he wakes up every morning at the same time, and the day continues exactly the way the day before did. I mean, every day is just the same until there's some kind of awareness and then he breaks through and then everything changes. But sometimes we can feel like it's this way and we want to freshen up. And I think that our, um, certainly our spiritual practice, our meditation practice is about that. It's about how can we feel fresher. And in the afternoon uh, Dharma talk that Catherine was giving, she talked about the beginner's mind when she was talking about uh, working with expectation, this expectation that can take us out of the present moment into some future idea uh, that we grasp onto, that we want to uh, try to create. And yet this beginner's mind... Staying in this kind of freshness with not knowing, not knowing what's going to happen next. Free of that expectation. Right here, we're right here. Meeting the conditions of this moment fully as they are. So this quality of freshness. And yet, 
I wonder, though, when we ask for that, when we invite this, and I've seen this many times over the years I've been teaching, that people want deeper meditative experiences. And yet when we're asking for that, when we're inviting this, sometimes I'm not sure people really know what they're asking for. Because to truly freshen up, and this in a way is what I spoke with with this gentleman, to truly freshen up, we really need to be willing to let go of everything that is familiar to us, everything that is known to us, the ways that we want to hold on to a kind of security, to a kind of comfort, to a known and familiar reality within both our internally and externally. And that, that way that we uh, continue the ego, kind of the ego or the self, when we talk about ego, talking about this um, uh, identification with a sense of our self being a particular way, how we know ourself to be. Uh, this ego mind, this ego mind that is uh, wanting to create a certain reality through its wants and uh, uh, dis- things it dislikes, the, the pushing and the pulling, the grasping and the aversion, and this activity of the mind, the activity of the ego mind. And this ego mind or this activity wanting to control our reality so that there's a certain security, there's a certain familiarity. And sometimes, of course, we know that that familiarity may not even be necessarily pleasant, but it's familiar. And so, therefore, it gives us a kind of security and a kind of comfort. In a sense, maybe we don't really want to change, we don't really want to transform. Yet, when we come to spiritual practice, we're talking about Radical transformation. Radical transformation of really who we take ourselves to be and therefore how we relate to reality. Because if we're not who we imagine we are, we're certainly going to relate to things around us much differently. And as we start to let go of knowing, of knowing of what is going to happen and uh, our, our usual track of the way things happen, as we start to let go more into the not knowing and more to the unknowing of that, which really is where we land more and more with beginner's mind, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next. And in a way, this not knowing is, is the revelation of this freshness. Because it's not like then nothing happens. It means then we are in contact with life as it's happening. With all the conditions, the sights and the sounds and the tastes and the smells and the the touch and the skin and the, the thoughts that arise, the images that arise, the feelings that arise, moment to moment to moment, and we're here. We're here for it. So usually people want to avoid this letting go. You know, we don't, we wouldn't necessarily, unless we, we have some intimation of a, of a spiritual awakening or a spiritual transformation, most people don't really care about letting go of the things that are known and familiar. 
you know, or, or really exploring or investigating what that means at a, a profound level of our, of, our, of our being, of our understanding. The habit, and certainly we see this culturally, is the habit is to just keep going, keep trying to get things, gather things, accumulate things that make us feel good, that make us feel comfortable and secure. And so the interesting thing is that we come to a place like this, we come to Gaia House, this wonderful retreat center, and in a way, it is very comfortable. You know, it has, it, 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 it's, it's, we set it up in a way that you have all of your needs taken care of. You know, you have good food and a place, good place to sleep and shelter, and it's safe. You don't have to worry about, at least in, in, in I'm going to say, you don't have to worry about things kind of intruding in our space, but I mean, who knows? Again, we never know, you know, today, I, I was started, when I was sitting here this evening, I was feeling like the, the ground was kind of shaking, and I thought, oh, is there an earthquake happening? <laughs> you know, I think there was a lot of energy kind of moving through my body, but it felt like, oh, maybe there's an earthquake, and who knows these days, you know, what could, what could happen? Things are happening in the, in the world in rather extreme ways. But for the most part, there's not going to be too much intruding on us, there's on our, our sense of safety here. And that's one of the things about a meditation center is we can feel very safe and we can feel very comfortable. And, and the paradox is we create this kind of comfort and safety so that you can let go. So that you can really let go. Not then just get attached to, you know, the, the comfort that's here. But we come here f- f- with the intention for transformation and for deep looking, for deep uh, investigation. And part of what we're looking at is the way that we hold on. We hold on to keeping things fixed or uh, the, in, a, in, a, in a familiar pattern. This pattern of me, or this pattern of I, you know, that seems to move in time, time and space. So we begin to look at this. We look at the way that we are feeling this sense of security, and through the teachings and through the practices, we begin to leave this comfort zone, break it up. Start to break it up. And we know that. Everybody who's here has sat retreats, and we know how things at some point begin to break up. And we don't feel like we have so much control anymore, and that can feel very unsettling. can feel um, uh, uh, scary, and sometimes bring about a certain kind of agitation, unsettledness. This is what the teachings are pointing to. We want to begin to break up this fixation that we have about reality and how we perceive reality and know reality so that perhaps we can see and know what's here in a a more profound way or maybe in a more subtle way, 
a subtle way that not only do we know the outer reality, but we begin to know the inner reality in ways we are discovering that reveal something new, reveal something fresh to us. And in that, in that freshness, then something new begins to happen. We have a new relationship, a new way of being in our life, in our self, in our mind, in our heart, in our being. When we come here, you know, one of the things that we are aware of is this lack of stimulation. You know, there's nothing here that's really going to be too stimulating. The lunchtime is probably the most stimulating thing that happens here, right? You know, walking into the dining room and seeing all that food, you know, and all the uh, different uh, dis- the display on the table with all the people in the room. And, you know, there's a lot of energy that can start happening in there. Sometimes we say that's the highlight of our day, is the lunchtime meal. But not, there's not too much else. So all that's taken away, all that is moved out, so that we really can be here with our own mind, be here with our own heart. We don't have too much impinging on us from the outside. The radios, the TVs, uh, the self, the cell phones. I was in London uh, last weekend. Everybody's walking around with something to their ear, it seemed like. Sometimes I'd look at a corner and there'd be like six people who are standing there with, you know, cell phones at their ears. It's a new, it's new, a new phenomena in the last five years or so. Emails, computers, all the technology, you know, all the, the, the information now that's coming in for us. It's supposed to make our life easier, right? Not necessarily. <laughs> so all this, all this, and maybe probably, probably some of you have renounced that stuff. And for good reason, I hope, you know, because it can be very impinging, you know, all this, all this stimulation. So we come here and this is taken away, and then we might find, we might see how we're wanting some <laughs> stimulation. You know, we're doing walking meditation, you know, not much is happening, we're just walking back and forth, back and forth, mind starts to wander, we're drifting, Coming back, just walking, it's a little boring, like something else to be happening, start to fantasize, start to think about things that have happened, remembering things, trying to get the juice going a little bit, and then, oh yeah, I'm thinking, I'm fantasizing, I'm not supposed to do that, come back, walking. You know, this, um, this habit to want some stimulation, some, um, something that is going to we can, we can hold on to or grasp onto and, and get engaged with, get involved with. And the, usually, there were either when we come to a retreat like this, we can see two avenues. You know, we see that we're either uh, uh, moving out of ourselves through the senses, so we, we can look at all the, 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 the objects of the eyes, the beautiful sights, and the uh, all, all that that's around here, or the, the sounds, or the tastes, or the, the feel of the skin. You know, the moving out through the senses. That's one way. We move out through the senses. 
that we can leave ourselves by doing that. Not we don't have to, but that's the habit. Or if it's not through the senses, if like when we're sitting or we're walking and we're using more restraint through the senses, then we just go out through our minds. We go out through the fantasies or the plans or the memories. We're gone again. We, we go out. We move. When we, we use that in, in Dharma language. It's a way of moving away from ourselves Because we get lost. We don't know. We, we've kind of lost consciousness. We, we go unconscious in a way until there's a moment where we go, Oh, wow, I've been with that I've been with that fantasy for some time now. Oh, where was I? You know, kind of shaking, you know, waking up from the dream and then coming back again, coming back to this ordinary consciousness of sitting or walking or just, just one breath or one sight or, or one recognition of a thought or one uh, sensation in the body. Oh, yeah, this reality here, this reality here. And so we start to see and we start to recognize that habit, the habit of the mind to move, to move in time. I mean, actually, there's no movement. You know, we can't actually say, oh, yeah, my mind went from here to there, A to B, or, you know, from this destination to that. It just seems like it. You know, we seem like we hop on a train and we go away to wherever, Greece or you know, for me, maybe back home to California, you know, back to friendships or relationships or, or sometimes, you know, being, we, we wind up hopping onto a destination when we wind up being in a fight or in conflict or some kind of very sad memory or somewhere we don't actually want to be and we don't know how we got there. We go, oh, yeah, I don't want to be here. And then we bring our attention back again, which is our practice, is the returning, returning back, returning back, being here. Being here. And sometimes it may be that we're being here with that sadness, that sad memory, and that's really what's filling us. And we come more into consciousness. We come, become more into awareness with the fullness of that sadness or the fullness of that joy, or, or whatever it is, we can be here fully with that. It doesn't mean that we stop that. It just means that we're, we're here with it. We know what's happening. We know what's arising in the conditions of mind, the conditions of body, and the senses. So this, this coming back, not being pulled out by this stimulation, this uh, sometimes an addiction, we, call it, we might even call it this kind of addiction to stimulation or some obsession with stimulation, which is the agitated mind, is the restless mind. Oh, just searching, 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 seeking, looking for something, looking for something. This is one of my favorite um, Nasruddin stories, which I heard in the beginning of my practice, and I just you know, hear it again and again and again, and I think it's really one of those wonderful teaching stories that probably many of you are aware of. Malanaz Rudin is this kind of crazy Sufi guy from um, uh, a, a long time ago. There's lots of stories about Nasruddin. And this one, he says, Mala Nasruddin went to the market and saw a big bushel of hot chili peppers on sale. 
He bought them, returned home, and began to eat them. A little while later, his disciples came and saw the mullah with tears streaming down his face, his mouth and tongue burning. Mullah, mullah, why do you keep eating these chili peppers if it's doing this to you? And as the mullah reached for another one, he replied, I keep waiting for a sweet one. I keep waiting for a sweet one. It's such a good phrase, in a way, that that symbolizes our mind. This searching, seeking, going out, going out, going out. I keep waiting for a sweet one. If I keep going with it, if I keep thinking about it, if I keep feeling, if I keep paying attention, something, it'll get sweeter. It'll get sweeter. Again, we're back into this expectation. Expectation that things are going to get sweeter or better if we keep searching, we keep looking, we keep trying, we keep working, we keep efforting. And yet, I think what we eventually sense is that we have to just let go. Let go of that. And we rest back in, we relax back in, we just come back to our our experience of just one breath. One breath moment, just this moment. And the more that we do that, the more that we are here, there is the possibility that we start to recognize the sweetness of being here. That we haven't left ourselves, we haven't left experience, we haven't gone away. And that the true sweetness that we're looking for, the sweetness that we're wanting, is when we're here. And sometimes we say, well, that doesn't make sense, because when I'm here a lot of the time, it actually feels horrible, and it feels painful, and I don't want to be here with my experience. And so then we're into that resistance. I don't want to be with my experience. It's too painful. And then we can feel the contraction and we feel the resistance and we then feel the tightness and we're in that tension of wanting and not wanting. The teachings say that I'm supposed to be here but I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. I want to be where it feels better. I want to be where it's more comfortable, where I feel more at ease, where I feel happier. So maybe if I do this, So maybe if I really, really stay with my breath or I really just, as hard as I can, I'll just focus and I won't let the mind move and when I think I'm just going to make sure of them, I bring my attention back and we're just in more tension and more resistance and more tightness and more, we're just perpetuating the same thing again. This idea of what we think is going to do it for us. And then with some understanding some recognition of what we're doing, of this constriction and the resistance and the tension, then the teachings say, let go, relax. We don't have to to get bound up in this resistance. Recognize the resistance and don't add more resistance on top of the resistance. Don't reject the resistance. 
And it gets so kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm rejecting the resistance. I'm resisting the resistance. And then we can pay attention more and I see, oh, yeah, I'm resisting the fact that I'm resisting the resistance. And as we pay more attention, we can just really see all the layers, that complexity that we're bringing to our experience. And can we go right to the center? Right to the center. Keep removing those layers, those layers of wanting and resistance. And, and then, okay, this is it. What does this feel like? I'm right here with the resistance. Ah. Yeah, I feel this tension now in my chest and my belly's really tight and my, my face is really, my muscles are tight in my face and I'm really recognizing this, the thoughts of wanting to be somewhere else than I am. I can just feel the tension in my mind right now when I'm right here with the awareness, with the presence. And then the breathing and staying right here, staying right here. And then we know what happens. It changes. <laughs> it starts to change because everything changes. Nothing lasts. Especially when we're very connected and much in contact with our experience. And we can really touch that changing nature of our experience. And we don't have to change anything because it's already all changing. Moment to moment to moment. And the more I can rest and the more I can settle into that, that truth, really, that the, the subtlety of that perception, I can recognize and feel that transient nature of all experience. Even my resistance, even my grasping, even my holding, and let go. Then it's not even so much me letting go. Letting go happens. Letting go is also arising and passing in the changing field. The Buddha speaks about this in his discourses how much of our agitation in the mind comes from the fact that we are trying to find a permanent refuge in conditions that are always changing. We're looking in the wrong place, like Nasruddin. We're looking in the wrong place as if we can find that refuge in the changing nature of experience of our mind, of our body. This this is this experience is always changing, and so we feel into this truth. We've all heard this truth, the truth of uh, the the characteristic of existence, of this impermanence. And in our meditation, we can rest and we can settle. We could, with our awareness, we can sense more and more how this is true. And knowing this helps us not to hold on as much, not to grasp as much, not to try to control the conditions of our mind and our body as much. Because in a way, there is sort of a futility in it. And then we keep resting and resting. And as we rest, there's a certain kind of sweetness that comes in the relaxation itself. 
in the rest itself. Sometimes this awareness, this understanding comes through our practice and through the teachings and through uh, us uh, recognizing this directly again and again and through the seeing of it again and again we begin to not hold on in the same way. Sometimes we uh, notice that that just that kind of opening to this peace or to this non-grasping just comes by itself. And when I was reflecting on this talk, I was remembering um, a time in my, uh, when I was young, um, w- in college actually, uh, I was not happy. I was not a happy person. Um, it was really, really, really hard through my teenage years because I was um, very confused. I, I didn't. I thought that I was supposed to be somebody other than I was, and I kept trying to cr- recreate this person who I was as an adolescent, and reading all kinds of self-improvement books and fantasizing and trying to get information from the outside, as adolescents do, to try to get a sense of their identity. But in that, I was just so miserable, so unhappy. Hmm, kind of depressed a lot of the time as well. And then I remember when I went to college, um, it was about 19 or so, and things didn't necessarily get better, you know. Still, they're still crazy, especially when there isn't much wisdom or, or awareness about reality or existence. And I remember one time going home on um, a, a holiday uh, from college, and I was home, and I remember being in the back garden, and life was just so heavy and confusing, and you know, I felt so lost in myself. And I remember lying down in the sun on the on the um, lounge chair, and I was just lying there, and just feeling just sort of the heaviness and the burden of my life, as maybe nineteen year olds can do, and not only nineteen year olds, we know that. And I'm just lying there, and just, I felt the warmth of the sun on my skin. I was just feeling the warmth and feeling the warmth, and then I felt the pleasure, and the pleasure came, and I felt very present. And I remember being aware, and this, you know, these kinds of experiences make an imprint in consciousness, and it's very memorable. And I remember it. I can remember it as I speak to you about it right now as if it happened just the other day. And I remember everything dropped away. All the conditions, all the difficult conditions that I felt were so heavy and so burdensome and so much pressure just just dissolved. And I was just there feeling in that moment the warm sun on my skin and the pleasure of that. And not only that, but the knowing of it. It wasn't like, oh yeah, okay, right now it just feels great lying here in the sun. It was like, oh. There was enough awareness and wisdom in that moment to actually recognize that everything dropped away, but nothing had really changed. It was just in an instant. There was still all the conditions of my very, very difficult life that were still very real. That didn't change. But in that moment, my mind opened with the recognition that my mind opened. 
And I remember just lying there and feeling that joy and that bliss and that pleasure of just my mind having opened and let go. And it lasted for some time, you know, maybe mm, half hour or so. That just, that bliss of the mind stopping. But because I didn't have any context at that time to really understand my experience, or certainly didn't have any body of teachings, I didn't have any practice, I didn't have any uh, understanding, when I got up, it all came back. I couldn't hold it. I couldn't hold the insight. I couldn't hold the recognition. So it came back. But it didn't completely cover over that memory. And what can happen, or I shouldn't say just the memory, that experience. It didn't cover over the experience. And what can happen is those kinds of experience, experiences are very profound in our consciousness, in our being. When we have experiences that, that, that reveal something that is not impinged by the conditions of this life, in the impingement of the mind, the body, when we have a revelation of some aspect of our being, of our consciousness that is happy, that is content, that is at ease, this makes a very deep imprint on us. And we remember that. Even if it's not such a conscious memory, but then next time something like that happens, like, oh yeah, we can link, we start to link our experiences, and then something happens again. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like that. And we more and more start to get informed about our, the nature of our being. We might say the nature of our mind in its most essential state. That there is some aspect of our consciousness that is, that is free of the impingement of these conditions. And we can touch this. We can know this in our meditations. We can know this when sometimes we're just in our daily life, walking around. So the mind just quiets down, and we're in contact with life in such a simple way. And that simplicity is profound when we have some way to recognize that, to understand that. These moments, just a moment, an instant, that refreshes, this refreshing moment. And sometimes we can actually feel that openness and that kind of sweetness, that kind of ease, even right in the middle of some things that are challenging for us. Because we are so present we are so much in contact with the reality of what's going on that even then it's like, yes, it can be sadness. Something happens and we feel so sad, but because we're in contact with that sadness, there's a sweetness that comes through the sadness. We say a bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Um, The bitterness of the actuality of what might have happened, a loss of, of 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 a loved one, or a um, uh, illness, 
that we've had for a long time, some way that we actually can hold it, we can actually come into a, a deep acceptance with the way things are. And then we feel through the acceptance, which is contact with reality, that sweetness that comes through. When I was at IMS this fall, I was really so touched by a number of people who were sitting on that retreat who were really there with very, very difficult conditions, as there are on this retreat people who come with very challenging physical conditions and emotional conditions, life circumstances, and people who come and want to, want to go, stay so much in contact with themselves. They don't want to reject. They don't want to push away. They don't want to try to create conditions that are going to distract them and, and pretend that it's not really going on or cover it over in some way but to really be able to say, yeah, I want to live with the way things are and in tr- with connection with true reality. And one man who uh, was there had um, tried to come to the retreat, the three-month retreat, the year before, but he was in India. And he um, had a motorcycle uh, in India, which probably was a bit crazy to begin with if you've been in India and try to be on a motorcycle and all that kind of that traffic. Um, and he got hit on his motorcycle. He got hit and he got in a very, very badly hurt. It was right before he was on his way uh, to, uh, to uh, Massachusetts to sit the retreat. And instead of going to the retreat, he wound up in, it being flown back, this in, in this case to Germany, uh, to the hospital, and his retreat took shape there for nine months, nine months in the hospital, trying to mend his body. And he had just been released from the hospital about um, three months before the next year's retreat, which was last year, and he couldn't wait to get to the three-month retreat. And when he was there and I was interviewing him, he was so happy. He was still walking around, you know, trying to, you know, maneuver his body. It had only been three months since he had been out of the cast and out of the, the conditions. And he was walking very slow and he had a cane and he was having to really, really take care. And there was still a lot of pain in his body. But he was so happy. He felt so liberated from the hospital and from the cast and, you know, so happy to be at the three-month retreat, even though he was in pain, even though this had been his last year when such, inc- such pain and confinement and, and fear and terror a lot of the time. But to sit with this person, to sit with this man, he was radiant. There was so much light pouring out of him. So much joy for the fact that he was alive and that he was walking and that he was finally at the three-month retreat, which is where he really wanted to be. A real inspiration, such an inspiration. So I guess sometimes, you know, it does matter uh, uh, sort of what we compare our existence to. Um, In this case, 
so happy to be alive. And so much courage. So much courage. I was so moved by people's courage to be able to face the truth of their conditions. And I think this is really what our practice takes. It takes courage. And I'm always moved. I'm always so touched. And and Catherine and I often talk about the joy that we receive from from being with people who are expressing the level of commitment and courage to look so deeply at, at their experience because everybody, everybody, every human being has their own secrets of their own pain, their own difficulty, their own challenges. And to come and to sit and to look at that and to be with that, to not try to find some way to be comfortable, but rather to go right in, knowing where the heart knows, the being knows, that there's something in that, staying home, staying here, Staying awake, staying present. That perhaps that's where we're trying to go. If we're trying to go somewhere, if we're trying to get somewhere, perhaps the destination, our heart tells us, our, 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 the awake nature in us tells us the destination that we're trying to get to is here. Is here. Everything that we're looking for, everything that we want, is here. The jewels that are buried under the house. But the jewels never tell us that they're there. But they're there. We can feel like paupers. (laughs) We can feel so poor and deprived, but the jewels are right there, buried in the house. So our practice always begins with awareness. Always begins with awareness. This cultivation, the waking up to the knowing of our experience. We begin with that. All of the the meditative practices. And then we practice acceptance. This allowing I call it radical acceptance because it takes a great deal of courage to stay so present and then accept the way our conditions are rising. Acceptance. But acceptance not as an end. We don't just become aware and then accept our reality. And that's a a place of confusion for a lot of people because then it can seem like, well, is that all we're really doing is just learning how to accept? What about the change and, and doing things that are going to bring about change? Well, I think we have to really understand acceptance before we can bring about change, because otherwise, if we're bringing about change, where are we bringing that change from? If we're not in sitting in love and acceptance and kindness and opening and allowing, then we're in fear. Then we're in confusion. Then we're in resistance. Where are we if we're not sitting in love? Then we're in fear. 
And then the change that we want to bring about through our expectations, through our resistance, through our wanting, is coming about from fear and confusion, hope and desire, hope and fear. There's not a lot of clarity. So first through the awareness and then the acceptance, we're clarifying the field. We come into contact. We come in direct contact with the way things are. Then we may be able to get a sense of how to respond to it, how to relate to it, and then what action to take from it. Because there's connection with wisdom and clarity and awareness and love and acceptance. So we we want to practice, and we are practicing, this quality of acceptance. As a starting point, a starting point for wisdom. That's where we'll gather the clear seeing, which is wisdom. When we're in contact without the separating off, the splitting off from our experience, trying to get somewhere else, trying to create something else, trying to make something else happen through some kind of idea that is based on past conditioning and isn't really connected with present reality. So we want to come back. We want to come back. We come back to here, to now. So I'm ending this with love. Circling this talk around to love. This quality of allowing and accepting is an expression of love. A, in, in, in Buddhist teachings we talk about uh, metta, loving kindness. It's a key part of the practice. And loving kindness really is coming into deep friendship with the way things are. It's really this expression of love with equanimity. Because equanimity sees things the way they are without reaction, without resistance, this open allowing. That's the equanimity. And and that, that brings about the expression of love. Because we come into contact with, we come into friendship with our experience. So love and equanimity the two qualities of the awakened heart, two qualities, two expressions of this awakened mind. So I'll end with this poem from Zen Master Dogen, sometimes the father, called the father of Zen. And this is the translation. Treading along in this dreamlike, illusory realm, without looking for traces I may have left, a cuckoo song beckons me to return home. Hearing this, I tilt my head to see who has told me to turn back. But do not ask me where I am going, as I travel in this limitless world where every step I take is home. Do not ask me where I'm going as I travel in this limitless world where every step I take is home.
Let's sit for just a few moments together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.